Hi, welcome to your first module of All the Sacred Things, a study for women from girlhood to becoming a queen. Um, being a queen is not guaranteed, as we'll talk about later. Personally, don't know if I know any. Um, I certainly am not, not one, but I am putting a lot of effort into becoming a, a, a humble, kind woman um, and still keeping my warrior spirit about me. We'll talk about all of that. But the word sacred is the word that comes to me all the time when I think about what's happening right now on the earth. And I think of the sacredness of the garden and God's original idea for mankind and for men and women. And it was a sacred place. It was a safe place. It was a, a place that was protected. It was a place where the values were life. And everything that came from the garden was life. The purpose was life. And when he created Adam and Eve, he said, it is very good. And I don't think, I don't see any difference in the commands on the human race between men and women. I believe God said, take dominion. He told it to, to, to the man and the woman. There's a lot we'll get into later about the actual Eve story, which I love um, going back to the Hebrew and what it really means was that Adam was basically ripped in two. There was no little tiny incision. He was ripped in two and woman was taken out of him. And I love the, the aspect of being female. I think it is the best thing in the world. I love it. I've always loved it. Um, but it doesn't always mean what we think it means. And being super feminine doesn't always mean what we think it means. But there was a purpose to being created feminine. And I do think we need to know what that was. It's different than the male purpose. That's a, that's a couple months down the road, but we'll get to that. So this is just something I wrote about sacred, precious, set apart, dedicated, consecrated, revered, worthy of protection, and highly valued. I was thinking of all the things that are sacred that I think are across the board for females is, is our bodies are so sacred. I'm not saying that men's bodies aren't sacred, but I can only speak for a woman because I've only ever been one. And I know that there's when there's a violation of that on any level, women carry it at a very deep level. Um, if you're married, my marriage is really sacred to me. And, and anyone that comes to our home knows, like, we're not just going to sit on my bed and chit chat. That's what we have couches for because my bedroom is sacred. That's a place where my husband and I are together. And I don't just open it to anyone that comes by for a cup of coffee. And it's just one of those things that I've learned over time that even when our kids were really little, they had a nightmare. They were sick. Maybe we'd go sit in their beds or we'd bring them in for a little while. We'd take them back to their beds. But we didn't let our kids like pile up on our bed and come in between the two of us. We felt like we gave them everything we had and then some for 20 you know hours a day or whatever we needed some time that was sacred where it was just the two of us and it's really what's brought us into 22 years of marriage is we made that a priority when we had six small children and that way it became part of of our marriage um if you're single it's sacred and i know that a lot of single women feel left out of these discussions and i just want you to know if you are single you are welcome here. I, I was a single mom for five years. It gave me a whole new respect for single moms. I always was in awe of what they did and what they accomplished and how they held it together. But actually walking through it myself gave me a whole new level of respect for single moms. But if you're single and you don't want to be, 
that's okay. If you're single and you love it and you don't want to, that's it's, I get it. I think that there's beautiful seasons in everything. Gary and I always say, Gary is my husband. We always say like every season of life is horrible and wonderful. And it used to drive me crazy when he would say that to me because I wanted everything to be wonderful all the time. But once I changed my expectation to whatever we do, it's going to be horrible and wonderful. It's really realistic about the way that life goes. And I think that's the same with marriage. It's the same with it's it's being single. Our femininity is is sacred. There's something uniquely beautiful about being female that I don't think we need to lose in, in the noise of everything else that's happening in the world. There was a reason why you were created female and there's a purpose in it. And it's a different purpose. It's not less than, it's not more than, it's just different. And I feel like a huge cry of my heart is to bring the, the genders back together. And there have been so many years of women being lorded over, um, falsely accused, had no rights, had their rights taken away, all these different things that have happened for centuries and centuries and centuries that were pretty much the, the, the ideas of men. I don't think women necessarily would have done that to other women. And I think that now is our time to come full circle in it. However, we have a choice. And if we start hating men because they're men, we have not evolved at all because we're going to do exactly to them what they did to us. And I, I believe that men were created for a specific purpose. I believe that greed, lust, and all those things get in the way like they do of all of us. But this is not a season, and this is not the group for you if, if you're a man-hater, because I love men. I have four sons. I have a, a wonderful husband. Even if I didn't have that, I have a genuine respect for men and what they were created to do on the earth. And I feel like we're supposed to work together in it. We're not supposed to be warring each other. We're supposed to be dancing together. Our children are sacred. Um, if you are a mother, and we'll talk about this, it, it, a mother is a spirit of mothering. It isn't about physically giving birth. So if you're an adopted mom, if you are a, a foster mom, if you want to be a mom, if you're struggling with infertility, if you have lots of biological children, whatever, there's a spirit of mothering that's just very natural to feminine um, qualities. And I've noticed that women will mother something. We will find something to mother if we're not mothering our own children or someone else's children. Um, our integrity is sacred. Our past is sacred. Our future is sacred. And all these things are connected. But the most important and the biggest thing is our, our connection to God. It is the most sacred thing of our life. And without that peace, all these other things falter. Well, I just believe that they do. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in so many. It's the connection to God that really brings us full circle back to the little girl that, that didn't, didn't question if he was there and, and didn't question if he was listening and didn't question if he was care. But he was just in their presence all the time. He's still in our presence all the time. We just have a lot of distraction. So I'd like you to, if you are taking this as a class and, you're, and you want to take this seriously, I would love for you to write down in your journal or take time later tonight or whenever morning. If you're a morning person, you love to do things early before all the noise starts and write down what are the most sacred things to me. Because the sacred things to you are different than the sacred things to me. Some of you may have a relationship with someone that is so precious to you and it's so sacred that you feel like you don't even know what you would do if that relationship were to end. Write those things down. But I think the list that I provided is a good general idea of, of what is sacred to us. Um, I love my truck, but I don't want to use the word sacred because 
you know, that kind of takes away from the word. I love, there's things I love. There's things I enjoy. I, I love hiking. I love, there's different things. I love running, but I don't necessarily use the sacred word to them because that's something very special and set apart. Um, big thing that's happening right now is I am seeing so many women that are feeling so empty. I, I, I've been talking to women my whole life. It's always either been part of my job, my career, or, or whatever ministry I've been involved in or other people's ministries. I'm always talking to women that are younger than me, and I'm really listening to what's happening. And across the board right now, I feel like at the end of, of all the things that we've been through with COVID and all the changes and job changes, the marriages did not survive it. Um, children have left all the different things that women go through, but especially right now, things seem a little more intense and are bubbling to the surface. Is, is a great deal of depression, anxiety, um, and, and a lot of physical issues that are coming out in, in women right now. I think it's across the board. I think it's happening to everyone, but I talk primarily to women. And there's a lot of um, interesting things happening where um, we're supposed to be each other's biggest cheerleaders. And we're also really criticizing each other on a deeper level on social media. And I think social media has played a huge part in some of this depression and anxiety and jealousy and um, feeling inadequate or feeling less than or questioning your own life or wondering if you should be on vacation all the time or wondering why you don't have a life like this other person or this wardrobe or this face or whatever it is. But we are be give, we're giving a lot of um, shallow advice to women and we're, we're oversimplifying things. And I think we're minimizing what's actually happening on the earth. Their idea of um, of self-care is great. I love it. I, I always, when I was a single mom, every Tuesday night, I'd give myself a facial, a pedicure, a manicure, and, you know, kind of revive, take a bubble bath, whatever. It was great. It helped. It did not heal my trauma and it did not take away the loneliness I was going through. It did not take away the things that I was carrying. There's a lot of people in, in therapy right now, which I think is great because generations ago, Nobody believed in therapy. It was only for people that were severely mentally ill and had a lot of stigma to it. Now everyone seems to be having several therapists. At the same time, I don't see people's lives being transformed. I see people as, especially women, as wanting and as hurt and as traumatized as they were when they started therapy, but they have some different jargon to it, or maybe it's helped them in one part of their life, or, you know, getting a nutritional coach has helped me with um, realizing how I depleted I was in certain um, minerals in my body. It's been great. It didn't remove my trauma. It, it, it's, it's helping one aspect of my life, but it's not, it didn't heal me on a deep level. It just helped me on one level. And so I think this is what this all is about is there's a lot of people right now looking like, I'm going to figure out why I'm this way. And so I'm an eight or a one on the Enneagram. Great. I'm glad that you know that this is how your mind works and this is how you see the world. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert, whatever it is. Great. You know that you're an introvert, which I am probably on the extreme. When I spend a lot of time socially, I have to, I have to regroup alone. I have to read sit quietly, listen to classical music, go for a hike. And then I have energy to re-engage with people again. The years that I didn't do that, I, I was just running on empty all the time. However, looking to our past for answers for our future is not always super effective. And 
so many people that I work with are, are, are looking at this conversation they want to have with their parents so they could tell their parents, here's everything therapy taught me that you did wrong. Here's what I need you to apologize for. And then here's where we can move forward. People are having these conversations, but it's not healing them at all. So if we're waiting for someone to tell us, yes, that did happen. Yes, I was wrong. Yes, you were right. Now we can move forward. If that isn't working, we have to ask the question, like, what exactly is it that we're looking for? Why are, is everyone talking about being a Gemini or a Capricorn again? That's old school. People have been doing that for thousands of years. There's nothing new there. But I think what this generation specifically is saying in that is, why am I the way I am? Why do I think the way that I do? Why do I see the world the way that I do? But we're putting on a lens of things that aren't actually bringing us healing. We're not actually connecting to the true source of life. And therefore, we're left wanting all the time. So I'd love it if you wrote down the things that are most sacred to you. And then um, this is the question I want to ask you, and you can tell me that I'm wrong. But where is a woman's place? We have heard so many different things about this. It, I was given so many different messages about this growing up. It wasn't even that people looked right at me and said, Lisa, a woman's place is here. It's just the conversations and the overtones. And um, a school that I went to at one time had, had a very strong male presence and women were looked at as second best. And I had this message through religion, not through God, not through scripture, but this message through religion and through other people's voices that said that women are a second thought to a God who didn't plan well. He made a man. He thought everything was going to be okay. And then he was like, oh, well, I guess it's not good for him to be alone. So let me see if I can punt here. Oh, okay. Well, let's put a, a pair of boobs in a womb on this man and, and let's, let's call it a woman. And let's see if that evens things out. It's not at all. <laughs> all the way God thinks. He thought of you before time. He knew about you before time. He knew the intricacies of your heart. He knew the time that you were going to come to the earth in human form because your spirit has always been with him and it always will be with him. But for a little period of time, you're on earth right now in this human body. And he has something specific for you that only you can do. And that's why it's not just because I lost my son in the most horrendous way of taking his own life. The layers that went with the fact that he took his own life, whether he was forced to do it, whether he did was hopeless, whatever his situation was, the devastation that came out of it, because there was something on the earth that we all knew was Michael's to do. And when his life stopped, his influence stopped, his voice stopped. All we have is quotes from him from the past. My grandchildren have never met their uncle. They, he died before they were born. There's a hole in all of our family gatherings that's the size of Michael. It's the shape of Michael. We feel it all the time. He wasn't supposed to make that decision. He had more to do on the earth that was cut short because of that decision. I believe with all my heart, if you are on the earth, if you are breathing, if you are still here, even if you are limping, sweetheart, you have a purpose. There's something for you to do and no one else can do it. The world needs your voice at this time. So a woman's place, let's keep it real simple, is next to God. We are supposed to be communing with him constantly. This idea of crawling in the back of your prayer closet is great. 
I love that idea. I used to pray through all kinds of things for my kids every day. Well, you tell me what it's like to have six kids, a dog, a husband, a job, and 5,000 square feet to take care of. And you let me know how much time you get to spend on your knees and focus time. My prayer life has been for the last 22 years, movement of my life. There's a constant communication between the Lord and I. It has, I don't wait until night. I don't wait till morning. We talk to each other all the time. He's always speaking to me. I'm always speaking to him. It is, however, difficult to always distinguish his voice if we have constant noise in our ears, if we are constantly being stimulated by other things and we're not just being still in his presence because your place is with him. Whether you decide to stay home with children, get married, don't get married, don't have children, have a full-time career, do all of it. None of it changes where your place is, your place is with him. All right, so let's go into stage one. Um, this is what I call the little girl stage. And there's obviously no way to become a woman without being a little girl first. And there's nothing in any stage that's, that's bad or good. It just is. However, we have all met 90-year-old women who are little girls. And part of that can be very charming because they can be very fun and very adventurous and very carefree. Part of it can be that they've been completely frozen in time at a certain age because of a trauma or because they just decided not to humble themselves and grow up. It's not for me to judge. It's not for me to figure out. But there was a time in my life where I met a woman that was in her 90s and she I was so excited because I pictured in my mind that we were going to have tea and she was going to give all this wisdom to me. And she was just kind of a, a little girl. She didn't really have any wisdom to impart. She really didn't have any stories that I could learn from or grow from. And I remember I was so disappointed and, and getting to know her more. I found out that she had a really really profound trauma when she was 12 years old. And I thought, wow, that she really is kind of stuck at 12. However, I think most of the time we have a choice. I think outside of some extreme situations with mental development, we have a choice to grow into womanhood. But you'll notice like little girls will throw tantrums. And it's really cute for a two-year-old sometimes because we all just kind of laugh and like, she's just completely ruled by her emotions. She just says whatever she's thinking. My youngest granddaughter, um, I was with a couple weeks ago and she had on rain boots, a sweatshirt and a hat. And she was full, there was no pants involved and she was ready to go. And I thought that's so awesome. Like she's, she's fully a three-year-old little girl because this is what she wanted to wear and this is what she was comfortable in. And and this was this was as far as her mind was going to go to it. Rain boots were easy to put on. The sweatshirt was comfortable. She put her little hat on and she was good to go. And I thought, you know, that'd be awesome. But as a 51-year-old woman, I really can't do that anymore. I am expected to put pants on when I go out. Um, and we all are. But the, the beauty of little girls is their connection to God. I love listening to my granddaughters talk about life because they say the most profound things I've ever heard, because their hearts are so pure. They don't lie. 
I mean, lying is something I think we develop over time. And I and I'm I know every every little girl has to tell little lies to get out of things, doesn't want to get in trouble, or she's in a difficult situation. But generally, little girls are really honest because they don't know to be dishonest. And so my granddaughter said to me the other day, "Oh, geez, Grandma, your hair has gotten so gray since the last time I saw you." And I loved that she was honest about it, but I was shocked because I was 100% convinced that my hair was white and not gray. And so the word gray just really threw me off. And I thought, she's seeing something I'm not seeing because she has no reason to lie. It was from such a pure place in her heart. And so I went and got my hair colored to a different color. But anyway, it's, it's the ruled by emotions, but it's also the thing I've loved about raising little girls. Um, is having two little girls before I had any other little children is they would get lost in their giggles and they would get so lost in their giggles that nobody else was there. Nobody else was around. Nobody else mattered. And I loved that about them, that they, they really only saw their own little world of joy. And it was like such a beautiful, sacred thing to watch. And every once in a while they're, they're 31 and 29 now. And I still, they'll still go back to that little girl place. And the three of us have a little group chat and the things that we say to each other, nobody else would understand because it's connected back to that freedom of just being a little girl and being silly and, and things that we used to say to each other to make each other laugh. Um, a female at this stage does not yet have the wisdom or the age or experience, but yet they are positive and hopeful and optimistic. Don't you love those of you that have um, small children or your grandparents now, like Caleb, um, my second to youngest son, I got him when he was two and a half years old. And I remember all the kids would go to school and it would be just him and I, and he would look at me and he'd say, mom, what are we going to do today? And I would say, well, I have to go to the grocery store. I have to pick up your dad's dry cleaning. We're going to get the car washed. I give him a list of to do things. He'd say, no, but mom, what are we going to do today? And his eyes were alive with adventure because he was a little kid. And that's what little kids do is they keep that adventure alive. And he, he wasn't, he didn't want my list of chores. He wanted to know what him and I were going to do that was going to be some great adventure. And when he would ask me that question, it would challenge me to get those things off my list so that him and I could play hockey, so him and I could play ball, so him and I could do whatever. Because I wanted to be in that little world with him. It was a beautiful world where it was just the two of us full of imagination. It's the beauty of children. That's why we like to be around them. Um, when you are a little girl, your instincts are super, super strong. I personally don't believe they ever fade. I just think we dull down the voice a little bit because there's so many other voices. And I've always tried to instill in the children that I raised, listen to that feeling in your gut. Listen. Like I would tell my kids when they were little, if you go into someone's house and something doesn't feel right in your tummy, that's God speaking to you. And we have lots of little codes in our family where we would, um, a lot of people know the, the, the tuna sandwich story. I'll tell it at some point, I'm sure. But it was a code where my kids could use it if they were at someone else's house and they didn't feel comfortable about having to explain anything to an adult. It was a code that I would come and get them right away, trusting their gut, trusting their instinct, trusting their connection with God. It didn't always necessarily have to be a big deal, but I just wanted my kids to know, like, God speaks to you all the time. You just have to listen and you have to trust. And then the sacred thing about little girls is the adventure to just jump. We will, when we're small, before we get hurt, I'll never forget the, the, the first time Michael was our, our wildest child. He's middle middle boy. Um, 
full of adventure. My daughters have a story where we were living in a two-story house and all the kids were on the, the bottom story and Gary and I had our bedroom and, and the deck was off the, the top. And the girls said they were sitting there one Sunday and they just saw Michael go like this. He was about 12 years old. And they ran out their, their door to check on him. He was unconscious. He had made himself a zip line from our, our balcony to a tree. He didn't make it strong enough. It broke and he fell and knocked himself out. Of course, they all swore secrecy. I didn't find out the story until years later because they were all covering for each other, which is awesome. But he changed after that. He was always jumping and leaping without thinking when he was little until he got really hurt. And then he wasn't so wild anymore. And part of me hated it. And part of me was glad he wasn't giving himself concussions anymore. But I realized that switch happened to him where he went for this little boy wonder of, of adventure at any cost to I could get really hurt and being maybe wise with it. But how many times have we stepped into just fear? Like think of the times you just jumped when you were a little girl and now you stop and hesitate and you think through every possible scenario that has ever could go wrong if you jump off or you take that leap. That's literally what my second marriage was to me was I was standing on this cliff with no safety net saying, I'm going to, I'm going to jump. And everyone around me was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You are going to get hurt. But something deep within me said, I, I need to stretch myself this way. I need to know what it's like to be a mother of five. I need to know what it's like to be married to a wild man that's not afraid of anything. I need to test these waters and I need to take this leap. And it did cost me. It did cost me a lot. And it also brought me so much joy and so much riches to my life. And I wonder how many things that we're missing now because we've lost that, that little girl wonder. Um, young girls tend to put themselves first and that's the warrior in a young girl is we often will, when we're young is we know we're vulnerable. And this is something that, that I just believe with all my heart, my husband and I have had a lot of discussions about it is he doesn't know what it's like. He's six, three, he's a Viking. He's intimidating to a lot of people. His, when he gets intense, his eyebrows kind of take over. I know he's a teddy bear because I share everything with him and he's such a good man, but I can see how people would be intimidated by him. But he has, doesn't know what it's like to walk into a dark area alone and look under cars or look around or grab, you know, look around to see if you have pepper spray or you have, as a woman, as a female, I don't care where you grew up. I, like I said, I, I was raised very protected. I still was aware all the time that I was vulnerable. And women are born with that innate knowing that we are just more vulnerable. We are not weak. Women are freakishly strong. If you don't believe it, come to Africa with me and watch these women in their 90s not only physically carry a, a 50 pound pot on their heads to, to save other children, which I tried to do that once and I really hurt my neck. It turns out you have to like grow into the neck muscles. I didn't know that, but I, I, I really wanted to be like them. So I tried to put one of those pots on my head one time. I didn't have the strength to do it, but not just physically strong, but women are spiritually strong and emotionally strong. And, and 
you think of some of the heroes that we have in our life and some of the, the women that we know that have gone before us and done so, so many amazing things that could have cost them and, and many times did cost them everything. Women are strong that week, but we are vulnerable and we are aware of it. And little girls just kind of throw that aside for a minute and just kind of take that warrior in them and are fearless in it. Um, little girls don't have much control over their lives and we also usually don't have as much responsibility for things at this stage. So it's beautiful um, if you're in a safe place and you're a little girl because you're more protected. You don't have as much responsibility. You don't have to get up every morning and think of all the people you have to take care of, including yourself and including you know your career and all the different things that you do. These young women that are, are, are like building their careers while they're raising small children, while they're breastfeeding, while they're... I'm just like, that's a lot. Like, it really is a lot. And I don't know where this pressure comes from. I'm sure it comes from within us. And I did the same thing. I tried to do everything at the same time. I do think as a woman in 2022, especially in this country, you probably can have everything, but you can't have it all at the same time. And the idea that you can and do it well is going to wear you out. Um, brave without knowing consequences. Little girls will blurt out whatever comes to them. Um, we often, when we're little girls, we focus on, um, putting the blame on other people and not taking a lot of responsibility for ourselves. Whenever we get caught, we tend to say it was, it was, uh, in our house with six children, his name was, um, it wasn't me. So if you have a, it wasn't me in your house, that was the name of our, our seventh child that caused all the havoc. Or I, Michael would say, I wasn't even in the country when that happened. So, I mean, you can get really creative with it, but the blaming of other people and not taking any responsibility is the trait of a little girl. If we stay stuck in this, so as our bodies mature, our minds are supposed to mature, our emotions are supposed to mature, our, our um, intelligence is supposed, everything about us is supposed to mature together. If our bodies just mature, but we don't really focus on these other areas, and it is very socially acceptable right now for women my age to throw tantrums, to act like idiots, to create a scene, to throw things, to call people's names, to, to criticize other people, to blurt things out. That's the actions of little girls or toddlers in a grown-up body. It's not attractive. It may be entertaining for a second, Maybe it's like a car accident. You know, you shouldn't look, but you're kind of curious what happened. But no one wants to follow those women. They may have fame, which fame goes wide. You can be well-known, but you can be well-known for doing horrible things. What we're interested in this group, what I'm interested in, is going deep. And if I die and there's just one person, I hope that I have some influence in a positive way on my daughters and my daughter-in-law's and my granddaughters. I, I hope that I have some type of influence where I have some wisdom that I can impart to them, some encouragement that I can impart to them. But if I stay stuck in immature behavior, I'll never get there. It doesn't matter how old my face is. All right, so to stay connected to the little girl in you. these This is what I have learned. Um, it's gonna be different based on your personality. It's gonna be different based on your experience, but to go back to that little girl wonder, I love to go into nature. I love to go on adventures with God. Granted, I live in a beautiful place. It makes it much easier. But there's no place I visit where I don't try to find a way to connect with God in that city and see what's happening. When Gary and I are driving into a city, I say, what's happening here? 
what's going on here? Like what, what's sitting on this city? What, what was this city created for? Like, God, what do you want to do with these people? How do I pray? How do I interact? One of the ways that I try to, um, is just to speak life all the time. And people that don't know me might think I'm a phony. I really don't care. I was a very critical, angry young woman, and I was very sarcastic, and I didn't like the result. I didn't like the way people responded to me. I didn't like the way that my reputation was going. I didn't like what was coming back to me. So I made a vow when I was about 23 years old to change the way that I spoke, and I asked God to change my heart. And I said, listen, if I'm not supposed to say it, if it's critical, because usually the first thing that comes to our head is not positive about ourselves or about other people. Choke it in my throat. Like, let me choke on that negative stuff and let me only speak life. So I ask God constantly, no matter where I'm going or what I'm doing during the day, give me some life-giving words to speak to someone else. And I just say, I'm, I don't care if they think I'm crazy when I leave. I don't know what that person needed to hear, but I guarantee you they're not going to be offended by someone telling them how beautiful they are, how beautiful their smile is, how kind they are, how much you appreciate them, asking them if they're doing okay. People are in service industries. Sometimes I just say, are people being nice to you today? And they'll always open right up. Well, Yesterday was great. Everyone was great. But today, no, there's a lot of really angry people here and I'm not getting very good tips and I'm not going to pay my rent. I want to see what's happening in that woman's life because I need to know where I need to step in there. Like, am I supposed to pay her rent? Maybe. Maybe I'm just supposed to encourage her. Maybe I'm just supposed to see her. I don't know, but that's what we're supposed to be doing on the earth. You can't do that if your focus is always on yourself like a little girl. So I love to go back to nature and connect to God. I love music. Um, I love true scripture, not religion that someone's taught me, but actual true scripture that brings life and that I can learn from and that I can take within me and that I can let come out of me. And I love going to a quiet place to connect with him. I love going back to the, the, the little girl that's still within me that says, I just want to be with you, God. Like if every, I always, I tell my husband probably five times a week, like, I don't know what I would do without you. I, I've, I've been a widow. Like I, I know I can survive it. I did it. I don't want to do it. Like you're my source of fun. You're my source of like everything. Like you're my connection to the outside world. And I don't know what I would do with you. And my second thought is, but he's not your God. Like we grieve when our kids leave home, but I'm thinking, yeah, there's something we need to grieve there. But at the same time, doesn't that mean that we've accomplished something when our kids leave home? Because the whole point of raising them was them to step into their own lives and to celebrate that. So this is the, the end of, of part one. This is just the, the attributes of, of that are beautiful about being a little girl and the attributes that we need to hold on to and the things that we need to let go. So I hope you enjoyed this. Um, all of these notes are online. If you didn't, if you didn't get all of them or you want to go a little deeper, you'll be able to access all of them and I'll see you for part two.